<laughs> Did I say Billy Irish? <laughs> Who needs room noise when you have Billy Eyelash? <laughs> it's Billy Irish. Welcome. Live from the Liar's Lair, it's the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. We are here doing our makeup and make easy and make over introductory sequences for our initial episodes. Because in case we didn't tell you, we screwed up and we didn't check for music that we could use. That is true. Mm. Have you ever just been so excited to come that you just had to come early? Has that ever happened to you guys? Two bump chumps come early? I mean, I can't stop it, so I mean, it's just going to do what we can. Continuous But you can't have just one. No, no. <laughs> I'm like Pringles. Once I pop, I just can't stop. So, uh, this week's episode, for those who are interested, is about John's favorite band, and one of my absolute favorites, The Deer Hunter. Also known as Take One of Minimal Effort on my part. Uh, this starts the long series. I'm going to die on this hill of not doing any research. Uh, hey, then, it, you know, rather than swinging and missing, you decided to bunt, and it still got you on base. Yep, yep. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, second base at um, least. We had uh, planned to have a lot of audio clips from the deer hunter in this episode. That's a lie. Uh, we have, we didn't plan on that. It nope. would have been a lot more fun. Uh, Could have been easier to tr- to track. Well, you know, uh, I might do the rest of their concepts. I might finish it out. I might not because I didn't find it very interesting. Well, we're going to find out at some point two minutes before we record. Yes, you'll tell us that you want to do the second half, <laughs> but your Google Doc crashed, so you just want to you know dive back in again. That was a lie. You're a lie. <laughs> oh, meta. Metalying. So, uh, we appreciate you uh, playing along here. We're happy that you are still listening to us. And, uh, you know, if you're interested, uh, check us out on the social networks. I mean, you can find us any number of places. But in particular, uh, if you are on Instagram, a disinformed podcast is our at. Facebook, it's facebook.com slash disinformed podcast. And Twitter, at disinformed pod. This is episode three. Enjoy it, bitch. Better. Oh, yeah. That's where we're at, ladies yeah. and germaphobes, and uh, thank you for being here. Uh, and uh, so, dear John. Jesus Christ. <laughs> tell us. Uh, it's appropriate, based <laughs> on the topic. Uh, tell us Tell us what you're going to be chatting about us. Uh, about with About us? I'm sorry, I'm having a series of small strokes again. Who, whom, whomsted. I might finish up here in just a second. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be talking about The Deer Hunter today, which is my arguably favorite I love band. that movie. I think not Christopher Walken's fantastic. Uh, and not and not The Deer Hunter that everyone already knows and loves. It's spelled D-E-E, like an actual deer. This is deer, like like Deer yeah. John. Yeah, I mean, that, isn't that's, it... I the, get it now. We're full circle. The, the yeah, sincere amount of disambiguation you have to have just to get someone into this band is like, okay, firstly, it's not the film. Secondly, it's not that other band. It's this band. Yeah, and also it's a intimidating band to jump into when you and I started playing in the full band together. You and the violinist were like, "You need to hear this band." Yes. It's basically what like uh-huh. what the vibe is. Uh, you need to listen to this band. So I drove home from that practice and what four years ago, and mm-hmm. I was like, "It's like all right, let's just jump in." And I tried listening to songs. I was like, 
No. <laughs> and I just backed, <laughs> backed away from this it. This is not my power. Like, well, because at that point they had uh, three LPs. They had a 36-song uh, collection of EPs. And well, the color spectrum was what I was selling at the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, because, yeah, it's, like, it's the same with, like, Coheed and, and other, like, big proggy bands. It's like, where do I go? Because, mm-hmm. like, starting at the beginning, it's it's tough. Like It's a I, lot to take in. Yeah. Like, I need the big sell. But anyway, um, the Deer Hunter, D-E-A-R Hunter, they formed in 05, and their whole whole purpose mainly is to tell a huge, huge story, uh, originally supposed to be over the course of six acts or albums, um, so it is called, it's called the Axe series. Um, Not the Body Spark Kids. Yeah. A-C-T-S. Uh, I'm aware oh, that I, I speak like a moron, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's ended up, it's only going to be five. There's, I'm not even going to get into this. I was going to say, that's hard this, to nail no, this man. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, it is what it is. Um, so something that I'm going to pitch real quick, because I had a Google Doc put together that was really simple and mm-hmm. to the point. Um, and then kind of like how magically all of a sudden there's a million fucking bees in my house. The Google Doc itself, I lost the save. Oh. So I have up to... I originally was going to have all five acts for mm. us. It lost me up into the middle of Act 2. So I'm not going to go off my Google Doc anymore. I'm going to do the Shane approach. And okay. I'm going to give you my source. And you can follow along. And then if we need to, we can put this as a part one. Okay. And we can come back and do a part two if we need to. If it ends up running a little long. Because I think what we want to aim for... Anywhere between 30 to 45. Four hours is what Four we're hours. trying. Mm-hmm. Each episode. Yeah. Saga. Um... And that way, like, we can kind of read through, I'll kind of skim through, I'll hit the main points. Um, but first, Shane, you've heard of Deer Hunter, obviously, IR, you got me into them. Mm-hmm. How familiar are you with the story? Uh, I am familiar with the story itself, so the musical story, as far as what the like, plot is for the actual music. I am not familiar with all of the hullabaloo that led into it, so the context of why he wrote the stuff, what the purpose was, uh, the creation of the myth... Uh, none of that I have caught, so... Perfect. Um, We're also well, going to swear to rights that I am not going to stare at your computer while you're doing yeah, this. You, you, know, I'm gonna, you have secrecy. I have a little bit of extra leg here. I'm going to just... You have an extra leg? I wish. You may You may need to get that looked at. All right. I'll so they can't right see now. my laptop, but even then, I'm just going to make lies on the fly. Lies on the fly. Yeah. The new um, EP from Bloodlube. <laughs> Bloodlube. Okay, that sounds like a great band. Uh, we we had a fun thing a while back where we you know started with you know fake band names. Oh yeah. Uh, and stuff that would sound Stephanie. ghastly. Yes, if we were going off. We I mean we didn't really do proper intro to the episode of like devolving into context here. So uh, this will this will cover it. Uh, at one point we were joking about I forget what the. Where the the gushing grannies came from? Oh yes, Asher was telling me <laughs> about a thread in Reddit where they or 4chan where they were going to name the new Mountain Dew flavor, and it was something like Hitler wasn't wrong was the one. <laughs> yes, oh yeah, my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah. And but the second the runner up was like gushing grannies, and of course being me, I can't just let that sit. So I was like, how about we make it a bad metal band name and call it Gushing Grannies. <laughs> And, and so we have our sec. Why is it? Is it a? Is it an episode quota thing for you that you, we that just I have to say the word? <laughs> you can bleep it. Honestly, I think it would be fun if we bleep that. So just <laughs> yeah, I'll put it on the record. It depends on how much effort it takes. Okay. Well, yeah. as long as you know you can go <laughs> uh, anytime you want, then yeah, it'll be fine. But uh, so we threw that in, and then for some reason I was talking about 
forcibly holding someone down and penetrating them against their will. I'm not going to say the other word because it's very strong. It gets people triggered. But Ooh. in doing that, I said, and using your own blood as lubricant. And then that turned into blood lube, which very much sounds like a bad metal band. So then we had them on tour together because why not? The two, they're two great tastes that like, taste great together. It's like Slipknot and Corn. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it became like our bad KUPD radio spot. It's just like touring now with Disturbed, Gushing Grannies, and Blood Lube coming to Comerica May 19th, 2025. Blood lube. <laughs> so yeah, it's just you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, I've heard that uh, Aaron Lewis's label signed them. Yes, that's the last thing that I heard. The, everyone's uh, that crying. Segues, that segues to uh, being at work. Uh, what was it last week? And I yelled at Michael. I said, "Put a bookmark in this and tell Shane in person about what you just said." Because I put on a random station like a nineties oh, nineties no. alt, and it didn't stick. Strictly to nineties all, and by the end of the night, it's been a while. By stained came on. Oh no! And everybody in there has the moment of, I want to hate this song. It's the cool thing to hate this song, but in the back, you can see little Everyone lights in their eyes it. going yeah. like. <laughs> it's the same reason that when you watch people like give shit about Nickelback, and then all of a sudden, you know, you you kick on. Uh, you know, any photograph random. or oh, please God, that. the photograph is still the the you know like a pretty fly for a white guy of the Nickelback oeuvre. But uh, you know, if you throw on Leader of Men for the old school kids, you will still be in the back. Tell your friends don't nothing so yeah, it you know, yeah, it's guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, so we'll call it. Yeah. Well, getting back to it is pride to the deer week, hunter, so. which is very much not even closely <laughs> related to blood lube, uh, gushing grannies, <laughs> or <laughs> slip on a corn. Mike, have you heard anything about the deer hunter? Do you know anything about the story? I know absolutely fuck all. All right, no, I met him once. He's so, Russian, Mister Fuck All. Uh, fuck all. Doctor? So for the kids at home playing uh, playing the game. And playing, playing with themselves. Hopefully. Um, source for today is going to be the la- or lakeintheriver.com. A wonderful site. The, yeah, which is what the... It's a fan community forum for the deer hunter. Um, if you're more of a Coheed fan, it's like... What is it? The Fence? Is that what it's called? Uh-huh. Uh, it's like The Fence. Um, this post... In fact, the easiest way I'd say to, to find it is just type in Lake in the River, the complete story, song by song. Cool. Um, this so, podcast sponsored by the Lake in the River. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have a user. His name is We Are Dorman Seven Seven Seven, and he was kind enough to take. I don't even know how much time this would fucking take. Um, Seventeen to, years to write it out, hours. act act by act, song by song, with short descriptions and the importance to the story. I'm going to kind of skim here and there because some of it um, Shane will know is some of the instrumental tracks. Some of it's like it's there's a lot of motifs. You just have to you just have to hear it. Um, Atmospheric, we'll call it. So he got this by looking at the lyric itself, listening to the music, and piecing together uh, like uh, you know the important stuff. Uh, and then also Casey Crescenzo, who is the lead singer of the band and the founder of the band, um, on their a couple tours ago with the VIP packages, they had what's called story time. Uh, so if you bought story time, you get to sit in a little circle with Casey, hear sound check, and then just ask him questions. And yeah, it's probably me, huh? A little uh, the ghost of yeah. Kurt Cobain no, doesn't like us. 
Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> um, he would answer questions, and it was right before Act 5 came out, uh, so people were just berating him with what story development is going to happen, um, and then after that tour cycle, after the album came out, this document got put out. Um, so, let's dive in. There's a couple notes uh, on the page itself. Uh, note on the deer hunter, according to Casey, when the boy was very little, he used to catch little animals and show them to his mom, Miss Terry. <laughs> and she would always refer to the boy as my little deer hunter. So it's all supposed to be that. His name is also Hunter. Go figure. So, oh, okay. Um, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of imagery um, of trees on most of their, their album covers. Um, so according to Casey, the tree is a metaphor for the boy. And also his father figure. When the boy was young, he would always try to pass the tree, the border to the lake, but never did. The boy was in fear of the tree, but also was fascinated by it. Uh, All right. So So to contextualize a little further as well, the story is essentially... Uh, I'm not sure how where we're going with this, so it just we're going I'm, into Act One. So okay. we're going. So the idea is is that his mother was a, a woman of ill repute, okay, who escaped out into the wilderness and took you know and had him you know yeah. and gave birth in secret. I think so. the um, the PC way to put it, so that Shane doesn't trample it, <laughs> is. A sex worker. <laughs> she was a lady of the night, if you will. All right. And uh, so that helps to understand that. So she took him into the wilderness to keep him from the prying eyes of this corrupt group in the city. Okay. So okay. that will help give it. Because as you're staring at the ceiling, I was just like, saw, yeah. like my eyes kind of uh, just like. You, you can't kind of just dive in straight so that she's yeah. raising him I, by the lake. In the okay. notes that I had of what would have been just a fucking crusher. Uh, of, uh, you were just brilliant, dog. yes. Um, I do know the story begins um, in a closely mirrored version of our world. Okay. Um, just slight details are off. Think like Inglorious Bastards, like where like it's close enough, the events happen, but then you get to shoot Hitler in the face in a theater. Call it a mirror okay. universe, if okay. you will. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pre World War. No, pre-World War One. So oh, okay, okay. So this is early 1900s. Yeah. Okay, not okay. modern. So I'm actually I'm gonna rely on my notes for for Act One just because it's just a sent like I just summarized. Yeah. Get a good synopsis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the whole concept uh, is opened up by a song. I'm gonna butcher how it's said, but Shane can probably help me here. Uh, it's yes, it's Latin or or Mike too. Yeah, <laughs> no, I can barely speak. Fortissimo del fuoco, fuoco, fuoco. Actually, it's Italian. I think. Oh, it's Italian, but it, it translates to baptism by fire, uh, and it sets the thematic tone um, and introduces the refrain, which is the most popular refrain of the whole entire thing, which mm. is the flame is gone, the fire remains, and it kind of sets up this whole cyclical nature. Hunter's mom is a I wrote, totally wrote the word sex worker. And not, and works in the city at an establishment called the Dime. Did did, did you just actually throw in like a Venture Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she works at a place in the name of the the, the brothel is called the Dime, uh, with an I or a Y. D I M E. Okay. Like the currency, if you okay. will. Dropping the dime. Her boss okay. and the story's antagonist is known as the Pimp and the Priest. So the catch is he runs the brothel, and he also operates as the only real priest in the city. So he cons the townsfolk into sinning, but then also turns it on its head where they come to him for salvation as well and to wash themselves clean. 
And he's just lining his pockets with money the entire Creating time. Creating the disease when you own the cure kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. That sounds like a good outfit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the mother or his mother, Miss Terry, realizes after being pregnant that she should probably provide a more innocent and pure life for her child. And maybe As you not raise him in a brothel. <laughs> um, and they, she sets fire to her room uh, in the dime. So really pissing somebody off. Mm. Um, and then escaping the city, uh, going to the countryside. And that's where a majority of that record takes place is just him growing up. It's a prologue. Okay. Um, so the year is set around 1878, and that's established on the record as well. Yes. Song title number five is 1878. My favorite on that record, by the way. Yeah. Um, we were talking with an engineer when we were recording our first EP, and we're like, man, I just really love like those uh, those organ sounds. And this guy was like, I fucking hate organs. <laughs> like, there's never been a good use of organs in a rock record. He was Proved disgusted. Yeah. And I, we were so like self-assured. We're just like, well, let's show you this song. It's going to be great. We put it on and it goes... Nope, it's fucking obnoxious. <laughs> like, okay, um, well, taste is subjective, sir, because you're fucking obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then it preface as well, um, before we proceed over into Act 2, where was it written? There we are. Um, so like I was saying, Act 1 serves mainly as a prologue, although technically Act 1, 2, and 3 were written first, or Act 2 and 3 were written first. Casey went back to write Act 1. Oh, okay. Because you kind of uh, so need to fill in some of that spot. The prequel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He he wanted, like, uh, you know, the contextual, or, yeah, um, mm-hmm. set up the events instead of just jumping right in. Yeah. Uh, because Act 2, um, if I'm not mistaken, is second the second longest record in the whole series of these albums. Uh, and it's very reminiscent of, uh, God, when did it come out? Like, 06, 05? Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely feels very, like, Panic at the Disco adjacent, almost, with mm-hmm. a little bit of little bit of like harder emo and like harder rock influence some on interesting there. kind of prog feel to some things as well yeah yeah um so at the end of the first record the boy is growing up into a young adult um and it's kind of alluded that he's not going to have much time with his mother and it, it doesn't really paint it out clearly but she set fire to that room like there's there's a mark on her head and she's started to go back to the city every now and again um or at least that's you need it's, your sundries. It's hinted. Yeah, you it's need hinted to make your own toilet paper out in the woods. Um, well, you can. It's just kind of painful. Yeah. yeah. Bark and everything. So, poison ivy. <laughs> even better. So tying to the lake and the river, the, the first act is called the Lake South, the River North. Kind of like sets just, you know, geographically like where he's at. Um, the beginning of the second act, which is called the meaning of and everything regarding misleading, uh, starts off with his mother dying. Uh, so that's how the record kicks off. Like, kicks well, off with a little bit of a dirge, right. and then kicks into this just... <clears throat> There's something that they do really fucking well, and it's they open up all their records with a banger. Um, I can't think of a single one that's just not just balls to the wall rad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, this is where we're going to kind of, like, speed a little okay. bit. Because there's a okay. lot, and it's not worth diving into each song in particular. Um, so, essentially, he mourns the loss of his mother as... He's not a fucking not monster. Yeah. Um, and then he buries her underneath the tree that we were talking about earlier that he favors. Um, and then he sets off to the city. He's going to start a new life. Like, he's not just going to stay stagnant at this point. Mm. Um, so this starts one of the longest deer hunter songs. It's called The Lake and the River, which is where this site's okay. named after. Um, so he begins his adventure to the city, uh, still mourning his mother, and it's time for him to leave. Uh so I you, you set up. aside yeah. your your you know child. I got excited about the wrong track because right. the lake and the river 
uh, for everyone listening, that's the one that I think if you like long jams, go go check that one out first because it has almost everything. I first got into this record by having the physical like vinyl, and I didn't know that it was just one song. I thought it was multiple songs because mm. it has really like distinct There's sections. movements kind of the way. Um, okay, and if you're not looking at the runtime on it, you're not even thinking, damn, this is a long song. You're just thinking, all right, this fucking record. And also, it's not just a straight-ahead rock record either. He writes symphonically, so there is all sorts of really ornate instrumentation going on. And okay. then there's a lot of vocal layers, so it's really lush sort of choral feeling. Yeah. So it feels like you were listening to, you know, what Metallica was trying to do when they were touring with the San Francisco Philharmonic. Oh, oh okay, like, okay. It has this yeah. broad, sweeping, very mm. encompassing sound. And it's not just, hey, we're plowing away on a rock song. He adds all of these other textures and layers in that make it feel so lush. And it builds this beautiful sort of scenery behind the lyrical content, which has a lot of meaning and it's really involved and, and intricate. So it's it, we're doing it a disservice by just kind of giving you the broad strokes here because it is such a beautifully rendered sort of songscape that he makes in everything that he does. And yeah, well, you're trying to kind of like be a, a striptease, right? You're just trying to get me in a little bit, right. you know, like hook me and be dip like, the toe hey, in the water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, Walk you into the dime. When I first dived into learning the actual stories, when the final act came out and I had a lot of time in my hands at work. So like to read through the stuff and then also like listen back on my way home. Um, I used to have this whole story condensed into 20 minutes flat presentation. And I think I told at least 20 people about it. And I think they all hate me still, including my <laughs> wife. <laughs> all right. Um, we get it. Exactly. I was so, so enthused to the point where I've only recently just dived back in because I overindulge so much. It's also um, just, it's a rarity these days because there's as much as there is substance and everyone points to concept records as being these, you know, really high bars that everyone jumps over, you know, Pink Floyd, kind of set the the standard and then others have attempted to follow and the closest thing we have in the modern era uh you know from my frame of reference is green day yep yeah so i mean like if that's what we've kind of devolved to as uh to steal the lewis black joke if that's evolution then in 20 years we'll be voting for plant life uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's nice to get something that has this broad, sweeping kind of epic appeal yeah, to it. Yeah, and yeah. is really well thought out and formulated and isn't just like, you know, hey, I fell in love with somebody again. Yeah, every aspect of it is very well written. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't really skimp. On the Considering details. the genesis as well. Right. Which Well, so Casey was in a hard or hardcore, I think is too too abrasive uh, of the genre. He was in an intense relationship. He was in an intense band called... Uh, what is it? The receiving end of sirens. Mm. Um, and this was his side project that he would just do while on the road. Like that's where he wrote most of the material for these beginning records. Um, but let's, let's jump back in real quick. And again, just listen to the fucking records. Or at least they have a, they do it, have you a fucking idiot. <laughs> you won't. Um, if you have Spotify, just type in deer hunter and find is find this is deer hunter. Uh, playlist. It's it's going to be the best best jumping off. And point. there's only 300 songs, so I mean, like, yeah, you, you can catch up. So at this point in the story, in Act Two, Mom's dead. He's going to the city. He's got to catch a train to get to the city. When he's on the train, this is where it kind of breaks down a little bit and becomes way more fictional and like a little less rooted in reality. Uh, he meets oracles. Uh, so track four, the oracles on the Delphi Express. <laughs> Go ahead, let it out. 
Why don't you right. It's such All a right. fun call song, a, call too. Call me a yeah. fucking nerd. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I wish that there was no such thing as royalty, so we could just play, like, ten-second clips. All right. Um, so on the mysterious train the boy encounters a group of oracles they look worn out and old as if they've seen everything and know everything their gaze lands on the boy these ghost-like men tell the boy that he has wandered too far from the lake his home they warn the boy uh, they warn the boy to turn back now for a chance of a peaceful life the path he takes now will lead only to despair and ruin. They hint to the boy that they know what will happen to him and foreshadow the places he will go and the suffering it will bring. The boy does not trust these people and ignores the warnings. After some time, the train approaches the city. The boy never sees a city before, or has never seen the city before, and it's overwhelming him. Seeing the tall buildings, he wanders out for some time, and he comes across the tallest building of them all, a giant cathedral, the church, established in the year 1878. I don't think that's correct. Fight me, user, on Lake and the River. <laughs> um, well, I mean, since 1878 is the song, you know. Maybe. Let's not know. devolve. No, we, we won't no. get stuck Where's, on that. By the way. That's a lie, by the, the way. Three, the three Deer Hunter fans that are probably on the other end are screaming. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, all right, so now we're going to actually speed. So he finds the church in the dime. Um Gets the whole rundown. Like, he can see, like, where, like, there's a secret doors or whatever uh, going up to the the sex workers. The fun um, context of this is, though, is that he's a total... He has been raised green. with wolves, basically. So mm-hmm. he has no frame of reference for human conduct other than how he interacts with his own mother, which uh, Norman Bates, anybody. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they do make him seem really gullible for some of the way that some of this leads up. But That's then in context, yeah. he has no frame of reference of it. He doesn't know what a prostitute is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he barely conceptualized intercourse at this point, I'm sure. So right. it, you do kind of have a veneer of being ignorant and naive here yeah okay if you want your second laugh at titles because <laughs> they do a lot they lean uh, hard, like miss, he's very on the nose yeah miss okay. miss terry his his mother mystery mm-hmm. uh, so he's introduced he sees uh introduces a character called misleading which is the going to be the romantic interest yeah miss ms leading um so the boy sees her um, there's this beautiful movie, it's called The uh, the Bittersweet, uh, it's one through three, tracks uh, six and seven. And it's sweet as S-U-I-T-E. Oh, okay. Like, so, giving you the, the musical uh, alliteration again. With. So, the whole the whole point of the, the Bittersweet one through three is him meeting misleading, falling in love immediately, just based on no, nothing else than just pure, pure animal look. magnetism. Um, yeah. So, misleading does what she is paid to do. And she leads him through the brothel, takes him down, and just so she's a tour guide. But Jesus, out of him. <laughs> well, okay. um, and it's pretty, it's gl- beautifully graphic about their entanglements, but in a way that is not like really gaudy or disgusting. Right. It's very romantic, and all of the sensation of it with having no frame of reference. It's he does a brilliant job at painting it. So yeah. Um, and then painting her. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you French horse. Well, I mean, he probably only lasted like fucking 10 seconds. You'd hope, yeah. Um, and he can't even give the excuse like, oh, this never happens. Cause well, that's his only time. experience. Yeah, exactly. Basically, so, this and the fox licking me that one day. 
What does the fox say? Wait, so oh my think, god, it's not real. Do you think that now he expects that no woman ever wants to come? Like, that he's just like, well, she didn't care, so I guess no one else cares. It, that would be a horrible setup. Oh. <laughs> um, so anyway, so they fall asleep. He wakes up next to misleading, um, and he's leaving. to. Or she has to leave. Just paint in your own guy. It's morning. She's got to wash um, up. She's got to do right. the horse bath, clean the crevices. And, well, he's, uh, he's leaving the room, and he runs into the pimp and the priest. Um... And he can tell, the Pimpton Priest can tell that Hunter's... He's got a veneer on him, yeah. Enamored. Um, and also, to what Shane was saying, he can probably tell that this guy's green. Yeah. Um, and essentially says the effect of, you know, you're going to want to be able to pay for things from misleading, so you're going to need to go get a job. Like, offers him a job as a driver for for the dime. And the boy takes uh, takes that. For golf. Yeah. Yeah, he can, you know, put the balls into the woods. <laughs> of course. Um... So it really drives point, or by now we're about nine or ten tracks into a 15-track album. So okay. it's, we're, we're over the halfway arc. Yeah. Um, and what happens here, Misleading kind of uh, has her own song where it's just talking about how she's a sex worker. She... <laughs> but it's Roxanne. A, but, but, you know, yeah, Roxanne. Uh, but it just really drives home uh, what so she, she does. You know, she doesn't really love the dick, but she'll, so, she'll suck it for money. So... <laughs> So, uh, time passes in the album and it gets to what is arguably their number one single at this point. And back in the day, this is what really, like, launched them into the ears of Passerby and it was just accessible. And it's a song called Red Hands. Um, probably Casey's absolute favorite to sing live. Um, so, the gist of the song is that the boy walks into Miss Leading's room unannounced, just thinking kind of naively that they're in a more in-depth relationship and that mm. she doesn't have this job uh, and then finds her naive. and finds her in bed with a client. Um, so he gets jealous, pissed off and just kind of just like, well, fuck you. The song is scathing. Like I, I want to meet who he wrote this song about originally and then yeah. lied and said it was just for the concept. Which, um, <laughs> so to talk about the, I wasn't sure if you were going to talk about this at all, but kind of what I was alluding to earlier is the genesis of this whole thing is he was writing breakup songs for a relationship he was in, and then started to spiral this concept out from around it. Yeah. Okay. So this is one of the things that's kind of the progenitor of the whole concept, which is one of the reasons probably why he's as touchy about it now. Yeah. Because it is their most requested song. So it's, they've played it to death. Yeah. If mm-hmm. Shane wasn't in this podcast, I would have used that opportunity to say that it was his favorite song. Like I would have made it a lie, being like in an interview in '07, he said it was his favorite song, it's the greatest song ever. Yes. Um, but with Shane here, it never would have flown. So I'm not. <laughs> uh, not even going to try on that. Um, so the rest of the record, the next three, three or four songs, they're literally just to me and like, you are just by far the coldest bitch I've ever met. <laughs> ripping things out. Um, the album ends in Hunter finding finding like no hope in anywhere he's ever been. Like his mother dies in the countryside where he was raised. He finds love in the city and this new life he's built and it gets taken away from him Almost for, instantaneously. Almost as easily as it came. Um, Pun intended. During, <laughs> so during this time frame, World War One is just ramping up. Uh, so at the conclusion of the record, he gets on a big steam ship and he sails across to fight in the Great War. Um, and that's one of the... Uh, one of the predictions from the oracles. The oracles gave him like five throughout the record, and they all come to fruition throughout the album. Oh, okay. Um, so that's the end of Act Two. All right. So Act and he's One, he's real mad. Yeah, Act One, 
uh, is born, raised, mom dies, act two, finds love and misleading, uh, is introduced to the pimp and the priest, church and the dime, and then gets his heart broken, and like a little bitch, he just runs away. Um, now, um, Black Sandy Beaches is here as Black well. Black Sandy Beaches is track 14 on the And it, I, I want to touch on it briefly, if only for the sake of it gives you an interesting kind of peek in that someone finds a message in a bottle. Yes. And they're, they read it and talk about how it's stained with tears. And they can't tell if it is, uh, you know, the person who wrote it or the person who read it or, you know, is it both of them together or could it be something else that got it? So it's this interesting thing of he is still really wistful about the relationship and you get the impression that she is too. So she's not this total heartless, you know, harlot as, as depicted. And he's angry and frustrated in dealing with that. Absolutely. But she's also kind of somewhat feeling that pull of having some connection to him and not just seeing him as another John. So it does help to make it a little more poignant as he's walking out of that. He's really just, he's kind of an idiot for not understanding the, the context, but also at the same time, neither one of them is without flaw here. Okay. So, um, I think for the interest of time, I will do act three. Okay. Uh, and then I'll it has save, some marvelous stuff. Yeah, and I'll save four and five uh, for for a second part down yeah, the road. Yeah, sounds good to um, me. Just because four and five, there's a lot going on. Four and yeah. five, if I approach it in a better way than just bumble fucking through this document, um, will be a really interesting presentation. I'll actually be able to to do some cool shit with that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and also, this is kind of a good place as well because after Act Three, they took a break uh, mm. from writing the concept and they released. Uh, the Keller Spectrum, which is that 36 song epic collection of of tunes, which we'll, uh, we can talk it's about so independently. Oh, uh, and then they Lord. also released their only standalone album, which is just just songwriting at its best. I love it. To um, death. So Act Three is called Life and Death. Um, it is all placed during the war. Um, in fact, a lot of people. Oh, jeez. What was it? Battlefield. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, Battlefield 1, is that the one that's set in World War 1? Remember the Battlefield came out a couple of years ago? We, oh, yeah, um, that video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, there yeah. was a video game set during like World War 1, and I people we were, were about, going... like, Battlefront. I got Star Wars for a second. Oh, like, and you're like, that no, that doesn't connect. <laughs> um, people were going nuts when that came out, because they were putting this on in the background, they're like, oh my god, it really does feel, like, authentic. Yeah. Um, so essentially, from from this point out, um, every album opens up with a message from the oracles, and every time they're they're in the record, they're being like, "Dude, come on, just just go back, go back." And Hunter's biggest problem throughout this entire thing, and it's a, it's a cyclical thing, like you can it'll loop over and over again, is that he never listens, and yeah. he never, and he has opportunities. He, yes, and he has so many opportunities to walk away. So it's a tragedy in that aspect. Um, is that a wonderful song from Enigma, I think, in the you know early right. 90s told us? The Return to Innocence? <laughs> no, it's, it's lost on me. It's going to be a no for me, dog. All right. Well, uh, I got nothing. We got nothing. Um, Someone out there is over age 30 and is just falling on the floor laughing, <laughs> just so you know. Um, was it Boyd? We listened to, was it Boy George last night? Okay. Is that a thing? I didn't listen to Boy George, but... We listened to it at the shop to close you, out. You, you it was got a ten the... Year, uh, it, was a, it was not ten years. The car, it was an anniversary. The Karma Chameleon? Maybe. Do you really want to hurt me? Maybe. 
Boy, it's Boy George and the Culture Club, by the way. You're a culture club. I am a culture personality. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> okay, so this it opens up with the oracles. <laughs> Not on your best day. And the oracles are essentially being like, hey, it would be really cool of you if you just wanted to turn back and go back across this, uh, the ocean because hey. this place is filled with nothing but misery and death. Uh-huh. You're going to need a mask to breathe here at some point. Uh-huh. And he's like, okay, whatever. Um, and keeps going. And the album opens up. Uh, essentially just painting what it is to be in war is is what the the song is cap like capturing um what is it in the the cradle we're helpless but on our feet we're fatal is a really good Such line Such beautiful line yeah is a really good line in that um the song is called mustard gas uh not in that one. Oh no that's Which one uh, is in Cade oh yes okay then we get to mustard gas uh a little further along yeah yes um it sets it sets the scene that he's fighting this war he's a little it, not a little he's way in over his head um go figure understandable so time travels on through through the war the songs are there's not too much story in the front half in my opinion because it's just driving home uh the concept that war is hell he wasn't prepared for this he was a fucking fool to do it anyway uh to come across and do it um where the story kind of proceeds is he's in a battle and they have their first encounter with a tank. Cause back in the day that, that wasn't yep. a thing. It was the, the advent of the tank. So, um, if you ever wanted a song that describes what it's like to be approached by a tank on the battlefield and I have, have no never... idea what it is prior growing uh, up in a tree in the woods yeah. to going to a place where there's a giant rolling piece of metal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they they run away from that fight. It decimates a ton of the platoon, but he makes it. Um, as he's running in the woods, he encounters a shack inhabited by a woman only known as the Poison Woman. She takes no sides uh, in the fight. She just finds pleasure in poisoning her victims who come to her house in an attempt, uh, an attempt to take advantage of her. So mm-hmm. I'm imagining that she's not completely ugly. It's like the, the lady in the woods in The Witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Puts on a beautiful front, absolutely. lures you in, and then her hand turns ghastly and old as she pulls you in. <laughs> but in the their interaction, because obviously he wasn't stumbling in there to try and you know take advantage of her, um, they kind of like talk. She takes pity on him. Uh, instead of poisoning him, gives him a vial of poison um, and tells him to use it in case the war is too much. So she's still kind of self-serving, where she's not going to do it right then and there, but she is being like... It's a, it's an investment for later. Yeah. Be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he reconnects with the camp. Uh, this is a song called "The Thief." Uh, it's track six. Um, he reconnects with the camp. Um, attempts to re- oh attempts to reconnect with the camp, but is lost in the woods. He eventually encounters a thief looting off the dead bodies found scattered in the woods. The boy asks for directions to his camp, and the thief points in the direction. The thief and the boy spend the night together as they talk about their morals. The boy argues stealing from the dead is disrespectful, while the thief tells him that this war is devoid of morals, and it's all about surviving now. It's the, the album gives you these really interesting sort of vignettes as like character studies of the worst of general human proclivities, uh, particularly, and they're 
hidden, particularly with the poison wound as well. It's just kind of showing you, it's like, as deplorable as you think this is, think of everything else and all the other atrocities that are ongoing as this is happening. So it's these yeah. really interesting kind of flashes of character, uh, in particular, you know, giving you the people walking around in, you know, the gas masks and things and the visuals that those provide. It's a barrage of imagery. It's really well done. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what we're going to do from here, because um, this is going to be from the back half of the record onto the out, um, I'm just going to read it straight through. Okay. Uh, because this is the first point where every single song now unfolds like a chapter in a book. Hmm. Um, you can take these lyrics out, and it is oh, so fucking good. Um, so, whereas uh, Red Hands was the single on Act 2, the following is the single for Act 3, and up until Act 5 came out, was the fan favorite, overall favorite, such a great... This is the song, I think, that like represents the Act series pretty well up until this point. It's called Mustard Gas. Uh, the thief tells him in order to get to his camp, he must cross another, or cross another battlefield. With a brief farewell, the boy makes a run through the field in the middle of a, a battle. Dodging bullets and artillery, the boy eventually gets hit with mustard gas. Which, again, this is a new thing. This, this has happened. Oracle's again told him he's going to need a mask to breathe. Um, the boy falls in a ditch, and as he catches a glimpse of the enemy wearing gas masks standing over a hill, victory in their grasp, the boy faints, but he made it to the other side. Um, the boy in pain recalls the life he has lived so far, the pain he has within him and the pain he has physically. He wants to die and decides that this is it. He'll die here in the middle of the war. As he closes his eyes one last time, someone picks him up from the ditch, a man who looks like him. The allies approach, gaining ground from the battle, and the man carries the boy to their side of the camp. The man known only as the son befriends Hunter. All right. So such that was track an, eight. It's such a beautifully anthemic song as well. Like, if you're going to listen to anything, there's a reason it's a fan favorite. It's so good. Oh, Mustard Gas, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, that last one was a song, track eight, called Saved. Um, the course in that one is, After all this suffering, I could lie here for good. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a really, it's, they're all so great. Uh, all right, and then track nine has not aged well <laughs> but uh in pc culture and uh well i it's, mean it's a context for the time this, and how a, gruff we were uh yeah um i'll say this when i'm playing this in front of groups of people i make sure to delete this off the listing because mm -hmm. it's not it's rough it's not vulgar it's not dropping anything mm -hmm. uh but if you're paying attention to it for any spell time <laughs> uh it's a song called he said he had a story um, so it's nightfall, and the boy and the son are amongst a group of soldiers, as they recall interesting stories in their lives to pass the time. The leader of the squadron tells the tale of a night that he spent in the dime, uh, across the ocean, with a woman known as Miss Terry. Doom! Gas! Dun, dun, dun! And uh, let's just see what this sentence... Uh, he goes into detail on how his experience was amazing, even though Miss Terry was suffering the whole time. <laughs> And he actually delights in the fact that she's miserable. Like, he talks about how she's going to earn every dime that he spends on her, basically. It's disgusting. Oof. It's abhorrent. Yeah, um, so the... <laughs> the boy's attention... Or Hunter's attention is grabbed and asked for the man's name. Uh, so essentially, he's just sitting there, just decompressing. You know, he's... He's alive I, I almost still. died. Uh, and then, you know, what's better than that? Oh, just hearing this random passerby say, Yeah, so I uh, fucked this guy's mom over here. Uh, she was all right. I mean, I think I got my money's worth. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like Shane was saying, contextually for the story, it is important because what it does is it paints that character in particular very villainous. Uh, and But not... 
not like the pimp and the priest, but like Shane saying, like um, the worst of humanity. You yeah. know, like he knows what he's doing. He takes advantage of the situation. And no matter, kind of revels in it. Yeah. yeah. It also gives an in, like a fun context. I'm probably stepping in on your story. So no, shut me up. No, no, I already have my lie okay. in here, so we're we're so good throughout. It also gives him fun context for Hunter as a character because then here's this other woman he's left behind who he loved and hated for that, but not really understanding the life she lives or the struggle that she goes through. And then it also helps to paint kind of this pastiche. He probably didn't even really know. Right. But then, like, not only his mother enduring this, which is bad enough, and then the woman he loves possibly also enduring the same. So it's such this emotional sort of fulcrum for the character of seeing, like, oh, wow, I'm an idiot. And also how horrific this is compared to all the other stuff we're going through that people are this vile, just innately on their own, out of the context where we're all trying to kill each other. We're doing it regardless. So it's kind of the villainy of general humanity is depicted there. It's really interesting. Kind of a fun story folk. So, yeah. Um, so here's where it gets. <clears throat> it's already, in my opinion, the back half of this album is perfect. Uh, but it ramps up as well. Uh, after this point here in the story, the boy learns that the captain of the squadron is the son's father, so the, the man who rescued him uh, from the mustard gas. And noticing how the father looks like uh, the boy, he comes to the realization that it's his father and the son is his half-brother. So essentially Hunter then notes, because he looks so similar to the guy who saved him, oh, the son. There. Oh, okay, okay. So he's a brother. So Miss yeah. Terry. Yeah. Okay, so okay, then okay. he extrapolates, well, if I look so much like him, this guy is his son. And it all checks yeah. out. Right. It, all, it all bounces out. The father's a terrible man who lives without morals. The soldiers have pride in him. Uh, the boy's embarrassed to be connected to him and keeps the secret to himself. Uh, so the war continues on. The boy recalls the prophecy here heard from the oracle uh, oracles <laughs> the oracles and finally regrets the decision he's made wanting nothing more than to go home uh to the cabin uh, upon the lake and forget the war and pain he's endured um from here it, it goes into a song go get your gun which is just essentially time passing uh it's an old wartime song that casey brilliantly made because it does sound like you could have just been picked out uh just recreated from back that yeah, one. Plug it into um, the 19, you know, teens and uh, throw it on the radio. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get to the conclusion of the album now. Uh, the tracks 12 and 13, 12 called Son, 13 called Father. They blend perfectly into each other. Um, so during a battle, the boy and the son fight side by side. In the trenches, they huddle together and share a bond of companionship. Suddenly, another barrage of bullets f flies into the trenches and the son jumps in the way to save his father from getting hit. Hunter tries to call for a medic, only to be grabbed by the father, telling him to forget about him. It's time to advance. The son, bleeding out, tells Hunter that he is dying, and his only regret is that his mother will be heartbroken over the loss of her son. He knew that his father never loved him, even though he followed him to war. He tells Hunter to take care of him, and as for his mother, his final breath is said, You look like me. Um, essentially saying, <clears throat> take my identity. Oh. You can start anew. Like... My dying wish is that my mother doesn't know that I'm or doesn't know that I'm dead. Yeah, she has uh, for to the cope sake for the sake of this piece of shit. <laughs> um, so it goes in the track, father. So following the death of the son, the boy sees the actions of the father or uh, hunter. Sorry, he lives without morals, does not care of his family, and revels in his vices. He takes pride in it. Hunter knows now uh, what he needs to do. That night in the camp, the boy hunter takes a vial of poison he received from the poison woman and poisons his father in his sleep. Um. So that's how that ends. And then the, the final song in the record, which is beautiful. <clears throat> um, 
they used it to close multiple other sets, and it has such a, like a sense of finality to it. Mm. Uh, it's great. It's called Life and Death. Uh, the soldiers learn of the father's death, and Hunter, under his new identity of his son, decides to leave himself dead in the battlefield. So they think he died in the war over there, um, and with that, he just jumps back on the boat. And heads back to the uh, the city where where it all started for him with a new identity. Okay, and that's how the first three acts gonna go. It's a it's a little bit of a clusterfuck just hearing it, uh, hearing it out loud if you've never heard the music. Uh, but I like to think personally that the story itself sounds like a novel. Mm-hmm. Like I could have just. Whether it was a novel or a concept record, I still would have given you the same shitty explanation of it right now. Uh, <laughs> and they've also started to release these things as comics and, uh, and oh. you know graphics, so it, you all have a visual depiction of it as well, which helps a lot. It helped for Coheed. Like, you get sort of the cohesion, pardon the pun, of the story <laughs> uh, as you run through with seeing the things depicted visually. Because sometimes the context between songs gets blurry for Coheed in particular, Deer Hunter doesn't quite do that. They do an excellent job, Casey in particular, of threading throughout so that you know what's going on and kind of seeing what's happening. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah. Um, inside of that, there's only one lie. Not gonna not gonna be around the bush. It's a doozy. Um, it's... I almost threw a plot twist in there, and I almost just read everything and didn't even put a lie. Did it and, the, and the lie would be that there was no lie. Um, Are you trying to accept us on I, I was three? thinking about that the other day. I would say that that would be a legitimate way of going about it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and put like a little thing on that. Let's not do that for a couple months. If, yeah. if, that's, a, if that's an acceptance. <laughs> Let's not thing. start tricking each other out of the gate. Well, so yeah. no, no, just bear with me. So I'm on my way over here. And one, I'm running late because of all this dumb fucking bee shit. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, bees no one are knows taking what's o- happening. Bees are taking bees, over yes. my home. It's not a big deal. Just everyone's dead, and there's a lot of blood. Um, so I'm on my way over here. Behave. And I just found out <laughs> that my Google Doc had just completely gone like crapped out. Happened. Yeah. And I was like, so on top of that, you also want to make your lie that there's no lies. Like that is the most like just <laughs> what the fuck ham fisted slapfish yeah. bullshit. Um, yeah. So you can go ahead and take a take a couple cracks at it if you want. Um, well, I do know, unless you lied about this, that uh, you hadn't said the lie until Act 3. No, well, I said it before Act 3. Act 3 was all okay. good. Um, it's it's hidden in there. Okay. It's very, very, very much so hidden. <laughs> it's very hidden. How hidden? Very so hidden. hidden. You can ask qualifying questions, too. It's fine. The only thing I can think of is uh, when you spelled out misleading with an MS, is it actually MS or MISS? It is MS. Okay. It's MS. That was, yeah. that was the one thing that just yeah. like poked out for some reason. There was another thing, and I can't remember what the hell it was. There was something that was just like, hmm. But, of course, I'm like, oh, keep it, save it for later. And Brain's like, psh, delete. Shane, you got any ideas here? Uh, I'm, I'm churning the wheels here, trying to see kind of what... I recall I nothing that you were saying over the course of it sounded incongruous with things that I, I recall. I slipped it in. I I I, I I've slipped, heard you I have a you have a penchant for doing that. I slipped it in. Your wife said the same thing. <laughs> oh, I usually didn't have one that try. <laughs> just like the bees slipped it in as well. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do slip it in. Sometimes you make me blush. Uh, well. <laughs> uh, the the closest thing I have for a stab 
the pimp and the priest are separate entities to me. Is my thought. Incorrect. Okay. They're All actually right. the same person. All right. Well, do you want to give it one more stab? It's such a weird name for a singular person that I it's am because both the pimp and the priest, but he is. Yeah, yes. it's because he, he, he wears a plague mask is the whole thing. So when he's the priest, he does not have a mask or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And he's behind the, con- or like in front of the congregation. And then his what time spent in the dime, he's wearing the plague mask. And he's those two personalities. It's, it's menacing. fucking cool mm-hmm. shit, like man. You'd think. I like it. I like it. Plague doctor stuff. Uh, okay, so let's give let's give one more. Then I'm going to give it did, up because I you, feel like it's unfair. <clears throat> all right, did you you said that he was born in 1878? I guess or, I they claimed the church was established in 1878. Yeah, I, I, I might have I flubbed that. And uh, sorry, dear hunter people. Um, and also, I'm sure that any subscribing chance that we had from any of them lost. Yes, you you just baffled them. Um, we are dormant seven seven seven. If you would like to send me hate mail directly, um, I'm not giving you my information because I don't take that really well. So <laughs> you can direct any of your complaints to that brick wall over there. Um, yeah, I I uh, I mean, if you really secreted it away that I really that did. well, then yeah, I have no idea. It's... Um, all right, do you guys want me just to get? Did he actually here? have sex with a fox? Yes. No. <laughs> um, so earlier, very, very much, like near the top, I was giving a little bit of history on the deer hunter themselves. Um, and I wrote that the writing process that they, that he wrote act two and three, uh, together. Ah. Um, and then wrote act one as a prologue where in fact he only wrote act two, uh, originally and then wrote act one. Okay. Um, it was just you see what you did there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was the only thing. The whole story itself is really large. You know, um, I think you touched on it a couple episodes ago. It's, a, it's akin to like going through an entire first date with a person saying, "At some point, I've I've misled you." And as you get through the entire thing, it's like, "Well, are you actually a dentist? Yes, yes, actually a dentist. Do you live in this town? Yeah, yeah, yeah." You get through the whole thing. I had I don't know. You're like, "I was an alien." <laughs> I said that I was 27 years old. I'm actually 28. (laughs) I turned 28 three days ago. Yeah. um, Okay. So, yeah, I'll come back with part two eventually. Um, The Google knock will not die next time, hopefully. No, I will. uh, I'll do something that I never thought I'd do. Maybe I'll just write it out on, on paper instead. Okay. But uh, I'm lazy, so I'm definitely just going to do a Google Doc again. But I'll just really... I'll print it as a PDF when I'm done writing it. Ooh, in that I moment. see. There you go. I, I thought you meant the uh, you know the thing you were going to do that you never thought you'd do again, which is actually have a second interaction with something after you've touched it the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that as well. Um, I got married almost a year and a half ago, and I haven't seen her since. Yeah. <laughs> And that is going to conclude this edition of the Disinformed Podcast. We sincerely appreciate you taking some time to listen to us, and we hope that you enjoyed the episode as much as we did recording it. Please do us a favor, float over to your preferred podcast provider app, and subscribe to us there. And if you're so inclined, you can even leave us a review. It immensely helps to get our name out there, and it also lets us know uh, what you feel about how we're, uh, how we're doing here, if you're enjoying the show, as we most certainly are. Uh, if you're looking to connect with us on social networking as well, you can find us on Instagram at Disinformed Podcast. We are on Facebook.com slash Disinformed Podcast and on Twitter at Disinformed Pod. But that will do it for all of us here at the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. 
Thanks for coming, everyone. Don't worry. We'll clean it up. <laughs>